Our next presenter is uh, Dr. Teresa Topic. She's a GP um, and has kindly agreed to join us today. Um, we haven't heard from a GP's perspective uh, up until now. Uh, she's currently based in Katoomba and she originally graduated in Poland in 1984. Practicing very conventional medicine but at the same time always believing that healing comes from many sources and occurs on many levels. This motto became very relevant after healing from breast cancer for her 16 years ago. Teresa feels very passionate about medicinal cannabis as a very important therapeutic agent and continues lobbying to make it truly legal, available and affordable to sick patients and in reducing the stigma associated with medicinal cannabis. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Teresa Topic. Thank you very much. I am very honored to be here. And at the same time, I'd like to start by saying that I'm very humble, novice and beginner when it comes to cannabis medicine. Uh, only until about 18 months ago, I used to hold very biased and limited view when it comes to cannabis. To me, it was just a pot, marijuana, drug of addiction, highly hallucinogenic and very dangerous. I am embarrassed to say but that I didn't even know what CBD, THC, or endocannabinoid system was. So what changed? In the beginning of last year, I heard that it was going to be legalized for medicinal use. So then I thought, what's that? Never heard about it. Is there such thing? So it got me curious, and I started reading and researching. And very quickly, my attitude changed from opponent and critic into supporter and activist. And I actually realized that my previous attitude was basically due to lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, and being simply ignorant. So I decided that medicine really uh, deserves recognition and respect, and decided to talk about it and hoping that I can inspire uh, and encourage other GPs to embrace it and change their attitudes as well. So we hear the sentence a lot that cannabis has been used by humanity for thousands of years. And there's a lot of um, historical and archeological evidence of widespread use of cannabis in ancient time. It was used as medicine, food, textiles, in sacraments and rituals, and possibly it was the first domesticated crop. So uh, in that history, what is most relevant for me is the more modern times, when the times between around 1840 and 1937, when it was introduced to Western medicine by famous Irish physician, uh, Sir William O'Shaughnessy, after, of, on his return from British India. Then uh, he did a lot of work and uh, prepared, made many cannabis preparations, used them on animals and after, initially, and after that tested, used them on humans as well. And he treated successfully cases of tetanus, rabies, uh, vomiting, uh, and diarrhea in, in cholera. So during this period of time, apparently there were over 2,000 cannabis preparations 
uh, including cough mixtures for children, and it was prescribed by doctors and made by pharmacies and sold to the public. And it was included in American pharmacopoeia until about 1941. It was also uh, used by famous patient Queen Victoria for treatment of menstrual cramps. And additional sellers of cannabis were today's major pharmaceutical companies like uh, Eli Lilly, Park Davis, and Bristol Myers Squibb. And um, so cannabis was useful in treatment of many medical conditions, especially uh, pain, insomnia, depression. And famous uh, English physician, Sir William Osler, in 1915, stated that cannabis is actually the best remedy in treatment of severe headache. And uh, smoking of cannabis for recreational use was unknown until it was introduced by Mexican migrants after 1910 Mexican Revolution. And then it was prohibited in 1937. We know that prohibition was due to vested interests of many business and political lobbies. And one of the factors that I find quite interesting was that in the beginning of 20th century, major pharmaceutical companies started introducing single molecule synthetic agents, considering them uh, uh, perhaps safer, more predictable, more effective, and easier to study. And uh, any plant medicine and herbal medicine was uh, started to be looked at as inferior, uh, ineffective, and unpredictable. And uh, when it was prohibited in 1937, actually it wasn't banned by doctors. In fact, um, Australia, uh, American Medical Association president, Dr. William Woodward, was against it, and he stated that prohibition would stagnate the medicinal use of cannabis and further scientific research. And in spite of that, so that was just the, the picture that we saw before, but I also believe that prohibition um, led to creation of black market. And in fact, the black market was focusing mostly on narcotic effects of the plant, was pushing for high THC level, and because of prohibition, we actually missed out on a lot of uh, medicinal properties of the plant and scientific research. But instead of that, there were major uh, discoveries which happened during the, from 1964 that included a discovery of a THC, the main psychoactive co component in the plant, and followed by discoveries of a hundred other cannabinoids, including most famous uh, CBD, and then cloning of CB1, CB2 receptors, and our own uh, endocannabinoids. And the major discovery was endocannabinoid system, which is very important physiological system of internal regulation, cellular communication, and comeostasis. So uh, i just go back to that for a moment. These discoveries actually very much influenced my thinking about cannabis. I realized there's huge science behind this plant, and I also realized that it challenges our thinking about our therapeutic options because we've been trained into believing that healing is mostly about prescribing single molecule synthetic pharmaceutical agent. 
And here we have, we have the agent that is a whole plant medicine with very important entourage effect where different active components, which includes cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, they work synergistically together and they interact with multiple systems in our body. This is a multi-target drug, and that's how we need to, to treat it. So it's not about just THC or just CBD or just this or that. It's about embracing the therapeutic properties of the plant, which is very, very holistic. So um, that, I think, challenges us a little bit, but it's time to embrace. Like I always say, that healing comes from many sources occurs on many levels. Here, these graphs were presented uh, this morning, so I probably won't go into uh, much of the detail, but we know that cannabis is much less addictive than any other substances. Also, the, um, it is very, very safe. The therapeutic ratio of cannabis is about one to 20,000. So it basically means that you would have to smoke about 20,000 joints to be killed, which I guess is not possible. Now, um, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> the, <laughs> the list of possible therapeutic application of cannabis is very, very long. I just wanted to point out to the ones that are applicable in general practice, especially chronic pain management, depression, anxiety, PTSD, nausea, uh, in chemotherapy, palliative care, treatment of addictions, epilepsy and uh, spasticity in multiple sclerosis. Now, chronic pain. Chronic pain, I would say, is the most, one of the most common presentations in general practice. The statistics here are very significant. It is estimated that about 20% of adult, adult Australians suffer chronic pain. Now, the most common cause is injury, which accounts for about 38%. Uh, interestingly, about 1% of patients are unable to identify the original cause, and the others are arthritis, musculoskeletal conditions, headaches, cancer-related pain, post-surgical persistent pain, and non-specific lower back pain. Now, um, chronic pain tends to affect more women than men and uh, appears more in the over 50 um, uh, age bracket. It is very expensive to our economy. Uh, it is estimated that about 34, over $34 billion are lost in uh, lost time of work and uh, treatment cost. So we see this patient a lot. The chronic debilitating pain appears to affect every aspect of their life. It affects their relationship, their family life, their uh, personal life, their professional life. They, um, dealing with that chronic pain becomes almost like a full-time job. They're unable to cope, unable to sleep well, and unable to function properly. They, uh, it affects their self-esteem. They feel hopeless, worthless, and uh, inadequate. And to add to that, the treatment that they use is most often ineffective. It involves taking multiple therapeutic agents, the cocktail of heavy drugs, which includes opioids, benzos, anticonvulsants, anti-inflammatory, antidepressant, and so on. 
This medication not only give them any much of a relief, quite often the rate they pain, they're like still at least five to six. But on top of that, they develop multiple side effects due to these uh, drugs, which includes gastrointestinal upset, constipation, drowsiness, quite often inability to focus, motivate, and concentrate. And quite often they are unable to work, so they have to rely on Centrelink benefits. So there's also financial uh, implication as well. And after a while, um, I came across all of this patient. They talked to me because they know that I am uh, the advocate of medicinal cannabis. Very reluctantly, eventually they decided to try some form of cannabis, which comes from, of course, black market. And they feel that for some of them, it's, it becomes a life-changing experience. All of a sudden, they feel comfortable, there's not, the pain is well controlled, they can sleep better, they can relax, and they are not so depressed, and they become functional family members and might be able to go to work. Another aspect of all of this uh, problem is the fact that it's illegal, so they feel that they're criminal and breaking the law. But to access cannabis through legal channel, at this stage, I'm confident to say is practically impossible, which I will explain a little bit later. So it is a very, very difficult situation. Another problem is with taking so many drugs that they develop, some of them develop tolerance, dependence, and addiction. They start needing high and higher dose of the opioids and, and uh, benzos. They ask doctors to prescribe more drugs. The doctors become a bit reluctant to do so. So they start wandering around looking for more receptive and friendly doctors. So they go from doctor to doctor and become branded as drug shoppers. So once again, this is not a very good situation. And I feel here, I'm quite confident to say that although I don't have any practical experience, but what I know anecdotally and from the stories shared by patients, that cannabis would be a very good therapeutic agent that can cause many of these problems, not cause, sorry, that can create many of these problems. Now, this leads me to the problem with opioid epidemic. This is a very significant problem around the world. Now, quite often opioids are initiated for, for the medical condition. And I want to also say that opioids were never meant to be used long term for, for chronic pain. They are supposed to be used just short term and only in acute pain. And it's frightening to say that prescription opioids are easy to obtain on the street than heroin. And deaths from prescription opioids overdose are increasing and exceed those from heroin overdose. And it's very safe to say that large proportion of deaths occur among the age bracket 35 to 44 age group. And about 20,000 doses per 1 million are prescribed daily. The, this is the graph showing the top um, uh, 30 um, users around the world. And Australia is ranking number eight. The top users are USA and Canada. But what is happening, the states where cannabis is legalized uh, report about 23% less opioid abuses and hospitalization rate. So the next, uh, interest, the next problem that 
is very significant here as well, talking about opioids uh, epidemic, is addiction. Again, quite frightening statistics. Roughly approximately 160 to 320 million people between the age of 15 to 64 used illicit substance in 2012, and about 180 million deaths were thought to be drug-related. And cannabis emerges to be um, quite significant therapeutic agent in treatment of addiction. I just quickly want to go through the process of addiction, which is initiated by exposure to opioids or any other drugs that activates mesolimbic reward system, which leads to dopamine release, and then dopamine release uh, uh, leads to a feeling of pleasure associated with drug uh, taking, and then certain memories called conditioned associations are formed in the brain. So that causes repetitive use, which leads to tolerance, and then dependence. People are un unable to stop their drugs because of uh, uh, withdrawal symptoms. And finally, addiction and associate problem. So uh, I was really quite fascinated when I found one of the articles in which it stated that CBD may have therapeutic properties on opioid, cocaine, and psychostimulant addiction, and possibly even cannabis and tobacco addiction. How is it happening? How, how is it possible? Uh, CBD um, has the ability to act on several neurotransmission systems involved in addiction. It also attenuates reward-facilitating properties of opioids. It is anxiolytic, antipsychotic, antidepressant, and neuroprotective as well. It modulates psychoactive properties of THC and also interacts with serotonin receptors, regulates stress response and compulsive behavior, and also modulates allosterically opioid receptors. So it acts on many levels. So perhaps CBD could be used in treatment of addiction, but when it comes to addiction, there's other intervention required. Reduce opioid prescribing, but if we just reduce opioid prescribing without offering any other alternative agent, what's going to happen? So I feel that use of cannabis preparation in management of chronic pain will be very significant. Also, what's important is psychosocial education, education in general, and creating rehab centers for these people. Uh, so I, can, I see the great potential of cannabis use in medical, uh, in general practice. In fact, I believe that general practitioners should be um, engaged in using cannabis uh, uh, because, after all, we are the first line of doctors. We see these people long term for many, many years. We deal with uh, multiple problems. and. To use it properly, we know that this is a whole plant medicine, entourage effect. It changes our thinking. Individual dosing is very, respond, uh, very important. Different people respond to different formulation. So um, we have to have a palette of different formulation available to us to find that exact dosing for each patient. It is patient-centered. The rule with uh, use of cannabis would be starting low, going slow. Uh, 
We can use different formulation. Like I said before, for some could be pure CBD. For some could be uh, THC CBD of different ratios. But once again, we to do it properly, we have to have access to different formulation, which at the moment is practically impossible. Uh, the TGA process of prescription is very, very difficult and basically unavailable to doctors. I attempt, many patients ask me to help them. I attempted for uh, the application to TGA under category B, special access scheme. I, I filled in my form, I provide the clinical justification, I attach uh, some relevant side-fitting studies, and they came back to me that I need a letter of support from, uh, from specialists. At this stage, specialists are very reluctant to agree. I hear different comments from patients. Some of them, I, you know, I had a comment from specialists that it's immoral. Uh, some said uh, you shouldn't give a patient false sense of uh, hope, uh, that it's uh, unproven, that it's controversial, and that it can affect your fertility. Or one of the comments was, uh, I like it, but I am afraid of being ridiculed by my colleagues. So this is the comment that I hear from patients. And it's practically impossible and very, very difficult. So I feel that at this stage to me, it's insult the process is insulting to GPs because we are more than capable to manage many medical conditions, especially chronic pain and, and others. It is so easy for me to prescribe OxyContin. All I need to do is just press the button and the prescription is printed. I can prescribe many uh, legal pharmaceutical agent which have the potential for significant side effects, even death when overdose. And here I am practically unable to use ancient herbal medicine that we know never killed anyone. So I strongly believe that situation simply has to change. So I'm standing here as a GP feeling that it's time for us to speak up and claim our rights to use the medicine we feel is right for each patient. It is all about patient and about helping them. So my suggestion would be, I'm not saying that this is right or wrong, but perhaps just to start, we should have unrestricted access to at least up to 5% THC and, and CBD over 10%. Once again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but maybe just the beginning that we could have unrestricted access to some, and then authority to prescribe formulations with higher THC level as needed. So it's really time to change, time to embrace um, cannabis as an important therapeutic agent with possibility for some psychoactive effects that can be managed if used judiciously and properly, with proper legalization. And to conclude, I'd like to quote um, the Drug Enforcement Administration law judge, Francis Young, in 1988, who was supposed to be against marijuana, but after some research, he realized how important it is, a therapeutic agent. And he said, marijuana in its natural form is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to men. And 
By any measure of rational analysis, marijuana can be safely used within the supervised routine medical care. To deny marijuana to patients who need it would be unreasonable, arbitrary, and capricious. Thank you very much.